0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Typhoon Talks, a podcast by Typhoon Consulting, a boutique management consultancy headquartered in Hong Kong. My name is Michael Grady. I am a consultant here with the firm, joined by my co-host, Chen Yang. Welcome, Chen.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: Today, we are carrying on the very popular change management series with uh, our returning guest, Kim Louise Fairweather, our resident uh, subject-matter expert in the change management capability and uh, and sector, talking about, and also an, a new guest, um, n- Nicole. It's her first time on Typhoon Talk, so welcome, Nicole.
2: Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here.
0: So we're going to be talking specifically in this episode uh, about the change management model or framework, very popular in, in our office and our change management uh, engagements with our clients, the ADCAR model that Nicole and KL recently completed a...
2: It's the ProSci Change Management course.
0: Yeah, recently com- completed the ProSci Change Management course, which very heavily focused on the utilizations of the ADCAR model. They were going to give us some insights into how they put this ADCAR model into practice.
1: So KL and Nicole, I know recently you attended the. A- ProSight
3: course, can you share your course experience with us? Um, yeah, we attended the course a couple of weeks ago, it's a three-day course, which where you learn all about change management, so change management is the people side of change, they introduce a few models which we're going to talk about today, um, and you basically go through a presentation on that course using the, the models that we learned. so it's very interactive and yeah, learn a lot. It, it really helps because you take
2: a real life situation that you're going through on a project um, and you apply that to the presentation so that was a really helpful part of um, the course so when you walk away you know how you're going to go back into your to your company or wherever you're contracted to, to to really implement change management effectively. So that was a big highlight.
1: Right, so in the course you learned um, an important change management model called ADCA,
3: um, can you tell us what ADCA stands for? So ADCAR stands for awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, and reinforcement. So the ADCAR model helps you understand an individual's needs when it comes to change, um, and it directs the kind of support you need to provide to these people to move them from the as-is situation to the to-be situation.
1: So, it's. Sounds very easy. just say um, we need to create awareness and all, all kinds of stuff. But how exactly do we do that?
2: So with, with awareness, it's really around communication, so if you're implementing a big change on a project that are going to affect people, um, is building that awareness through different methods of communication, so you will build a communication plan which will address the different stakeholders needs in terms of frequency with communication, um, the kind of messages that you need to include in communication. Um, and then who will be responsible for delivering that communication. As change managers, we're not there to implement all of this communication, but we're there to advise and assist the subject matter experts to make sure that they're delivering the right communication to their teams to get them fully aware of of what's going to be changing and prepared for the change ahead. So that sounds
1: like uh, all the preparation you need to go through before the start of change management. And usually what kind of um, documents would you prepare? to um, create awareness.
3: So so one of, one of the really key things about awareness, it's, it's creating a burning platform so that people know what's going to happen, why it's going to happen, why it needs to happen, and what the risk is of, of not doing this change. It's not really about producing documents. It's about communicating with people and communicating very clear, consistent messages, generally face-to-face so that they understand why we're doing this. Right, and as a
1: consultant, when you communicate, do you communicate directly, or to what level do you communicate?
3: So there's, there's, um, we learned some really interesting s- statistics when we were on our course. So if you're communicating uh, a general sort of business strategy message, that should come from the guy at the top. So your CEO or your project sponsor, that's the person that people in the company will listen to. But when you're communicating what's in it for me, so how is this going to change my day-to-day work, that needs to come through the supervisor. So these are the people that will be carrying out the communications.
1: I see, so it really depends on what kind of message you want to send yeah. to the employees. Yeah. Um, and then D stands for desire. Mm-hmm. Um, can you tell us how to create desire?
2: So des- desire again is addressing um, really what's in it for me. So to get somebody to change and to want to change, you've again got to find out what that burning platform is that's gonna get them along that journey. Um, so really thinking about the different stakeholder groups and what they want to hear is really important um, and not bogging them down with information that might not really pertain to them. Um, and then also being aware of what risks and, um, kind of concerns people might have ahead of time that you can address with with questions or FAQs so that they can feel more prepared for that change coming up. Um, with Desire as well, it's also great to get change champions. So at the beginning of a project to really identify who's on board with the change, who can you use as a key influencer amongst um, other groups that might be more resistant and negative towards um, the change coming up. So using those change champions, embedding them with these other groups and getting them to move these people along the journey um, really helps to, to get the people that are more resistant um, to, to buy into the changes.
3: And in addition to that, the desire, has, it has to be a personal choice to change. So you have to create a desire in people so that they want to change. You can't just say change because people, people not will magic. not react. It's not magic. They, they have to want to change. So they have to understand why and they have to understand what's in it for me.
1: Yeah. So to me, it sounds like the most difficult step because you need to make people want to embrace this kind of change. Um, and K, K stands for knowledge. Um, how do you, pass on the knowledge to the employees to equip them for the change?
3: Yeah, so knowledge is about understanding how to change. So I know that I have to change, I, I want to change, but this one's about knowing how to change. So if, if you take an example of um, implementing a new HR system and you've got a bunch of people in, in HR and around the company who have to use this system, then knowledge is about training these people on how to use the system. So it's, it's giving them the, um, the means of, of using the system and, and performing the change. And one step with knowledge, it's really important that as people have kind of their, their business as
2: usual jobs, when you're introducing a change, it can be really difficult for them to adjust. Um, so with training, it's, it's again being prepared ahead of time, giving them the knowledge ahead of time if possible on projects, so that they can get used to the new systems and feel like there's a smooth transition over, um, because if people's performance reviews are coming up, they often don't want to change their behaviors, they like the way they're going if they're performing at a certain rate, so it's really important that that training is implemented with enough time for people to, to take on board what the, what's being taught and absorb it um, to really execute.
1: Right, and I guess for um, to pass on this kind of knowledge you need to take the training first um, to really understand how, for instance, the system is operated?
3: But not necessarily, so as, as change managers we have to ensure that the, the change happens. We might not be the people who are implementing the system, or we, we may not be HR with an HR system, so we just have to make sure that the right people have the right knowledge so if you're talking about a new hr system you might be as well to to train hr first of all as a pilot group so that they have the knowledge so that when you roll it out to a further group then um, they've got someone to fall back on and they've got someone who has experience um, and they can they can ask and they've been through it so they, they they you know they'll be able to provide them with really good advice it's not about the change manager having the knowledge of the, of the change.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's a, a big misconception that I've come across as a change manager on projects is um, everybody expects you to do the training, um, to do the communication, but as was said at the beginning by KL, that it's really important that the training and the messages come from direct reports and senior leadership team and the sponsor on the project um, because us as change managers have, have very little power and influence over people, but we're just there to help guide the process along the way. Yeah and how is
1: knowledge different from ability
3: so you can have the knowledge to do something but you might not necessarily be able to it so to be able to do it so for example if you go on a training fine i've, I've done the training i have the knowledge but i don't actually know how to apply that knowledge so the ability is is making sure that there's demonstrated capability to to apply that knowledge um, and making sure that they they achieve the desired outcome as well so if it's a new HR system okay I know how to use the, the new HR system but I can prove that I've, I've, I've done the right things in the right step and I've got the right results at the end so it's actually putting your knowledge into practice and and one thing, um so I know change
2: management can seem a bit fluffy to people and how is it measured, but um, for this kind of ability factor, at the beginning of the project it's always good to set success factors. So success factors with people and what you want to get out of them, um, what ability you want them to come out with at the other end. So once you have those success factors, you can measure up during the ability stage to see if you've achieved those or, or where you might need to go back and do some additional training and communication.
1: And I guess the purpose, another purpose of setting up uh, the success factor is to show people what kind of benefits they can take away from embracing these kind of changes. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Okay, so um, what does R stand for? So R stands for reinforcement. So um, with change, it's really important that this step is not missed out. So a lot of the times um, change managers are engaged for a short period of time on a project um, and it it ends at the go live, but it's really important to have change managers there for a period of time after you go live on a project. Um, This is to make sure that there is reinforcement in place or that somebody is going to be there to own it. So you can change somebody, they can be on the journey, they can be aware, be able, but if there's nobody there to reinforce the behaviours and why they should be in place, um, it's very common for people to then um, go back to their original ways of working. So that, that period after the go-live with some key um, influences and people monitoring the
3: reinforcement is is really important. Mm. So I worked on a project a couple of years ago where it was a, a huge, um, it was a Lean Six Sigma project where we were implementing quite a big organisational change and changing the way that operations people do their work. And the project lasted for about a year. We went through the, the, all the steps of ADCAR um, until reinforcement. And then when it got to the end, um, I, as a project manager, moved off of the project and the sponsor left the company. And within about two months, everyone had gone back to their old ways. So mm. reinforcement is absolutely essential, or you've just completely wasted all your time, yeah. all your resources. It's it's, it's it's an essential part of the of the model.
1: Yeah. So what kind of reinforcement measures do you usually use?
3: Well, if you take an example of. Um, Take an example of hot desking, which is very popular at the moment. <laughs> so if you, if you have a, um, a group of people and you say to them, OK, you're now hot desking. You've got um, eight desks for 10 people. Some of you have to work from home sometimes. You've got to have a clean desk policy. As okay. soon as you've implemented that, um, maybe for the first couple of weeks everyone will be like yeah that's great and then after that people the pa- the piles of paper will start piling up again Yeah, and people will maybe stop working from home so you, you just have to you have to you have to say to people get that paper off the desk we can't you know you just have to keep reinforcing in it and saying you have to have a clean desk policy. Just keep telling them again and again and again. Plus, you can you can reinforce it positively. So you could have um, prizes for the cleanest desk or um, if someone always spends a day a week at home, then you can have prizes for that. So it's just positive and positive reinforcement but also um, punishing people for mm. not doing what they're meant to be doing. It has to, it has to be really serious or... You're just going to go back to your old ways,
1: right? So it's about setting up KPIs and yeah.
2: introducing mm-hmm. incentives and punishments.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, well. I mean, the last
1: resort
2: you really want to enforce <laughs> is a punishment, or um, you know, some people talk about that it will be kind of you know you, you get fired in certain situations if they are compliance things that aren't being um, enforced. But ultimately, you want to try everything before you actually punish
3: people. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't mean it's not it's not so much punishment. It's just it's just telling people your papers piling up again get rid of it don't do this put it away show them if if they don't know what to do show them where the the cabinet is you know and and, and also lead by example so if you're a supervisor yeah. then then you do that you put your stuff away don't you pile up your paper i think
2: um kale would, and i were talking about this the other day and she said there are colleagues in in her office that um, really enforce um, hot desking and they know that some people have found their, their kind of spots and they've built up their stuff to kind of yeah and they don't like other people sitting in their seats so what these other people are doing are everyday kind of going in a bit earlier to sit in other people's seats that they yeah. you know where they shouldn't yeah. be keeping one desk so that again is kind of using those change champions that are trying to enforce mm. the change to in a fun way um, to get people to understand what, what it, what's involved and that they can't just um, keep to their old ways
1: yeah, hot desking is quite uh, a popular policy these days among mm-hmm. big corporates yeah. as one of their cost efficient yeah. efficiency mm-hmm. policy. Yeah. So and people
3: don't like it. It's not natural. People like to create their homes. You know, they like to create their own little areas at their yeah. desks. I, I don't think it's natural for them just to have this this clean desk policy where they just sit wherever they want every day. So that's why it's important to to reinforce it.
1: I don't know if it's uh, kind of like an Asian culture, because for Asians we like to have a sense of owning a home or ownership of an area. So maybe they bring this kind of culture to the work environment as well and they want to create their own territory. So when you impose this kind of change, you really need to change the culture fundamentally to tell them that this is not your private area and now it's a communal area and everybody can use it. Mm-hmm. So I would see reinforcement uh, um, also as a culture changing process.
2: Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And and people forget in Asia, working from home isn't that that easy. Um, yeah. We all live They in just very don't work sometimes. <laughs> We're oh, working yeah. from yeah. Starbucks. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. So, yeah, again, cultural things, like you said, is is a huge thing to consider in change management um, and how people are going to accept that change, especially if there's big corporate companies from abroad that want to implement the same measures um, everywhere. Sometimes that doesn't always work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So why don't you guys tell us what happens if we don't use ADCAR?
3: That's an interesting question. So if you don't do the awareness and desire... You'll see employees will be asking all the same questions over and over and over again because they don't actually understand what it is we're trying to achieve. Um, There'll be lower productivity and higher turnover of staff because they they don't know where they're going. Um, There'll be hoarding of resources and information. So again, people share knowledge and information and resources when they understand what it is we're trying to achieve. Um, And there'll probably be delays in implementation as well. Um, and then without, without
2: knowledge step, which is really important, and that's where the training comes in. So you'll, de- you'll definitely see lower utilization or incorrect usage of new systems. Um, employees are going to worry about whether they can be successful in the future or not and, and where their performance um, is at. There's going to be a greater impact on customers and partners um, because the end um, goal is always to make sure that the customer is getting um, that satisfaction and, and that service that you're trying to create. Um, and then sustained reduction in productivity. So productivity is going to go down, um, affecting yeah all your KPIs.
3: And then lastly, without reinforcement, we've already touched on this. If you don't reinforce, then employees will just go back to their old ways. Um, but more importantly than that, the ultimate um, the ultimate utilisation is less than anticipated so you'll have done a business case that business case won't be realised if you don't do reinforcement and what's really, really important is the organisation creates a history of poorly managed change so if things don't work the next change that comes along people will just roll their eyes and it'll be more difficult to to go about implementing the change
0: Yeah, that's... Uh Great, great information as usual. The So that'll be the end of this episode. Um, these two guys are, as usual, encyclopedias of experience and information about the change management practice um, in all its glory. So we're going to take this series, continue this series on with, uh, with KL and some of our other change managers. Um, but thank you guys. Thank you, Nicole. And thank you, KL, uh, again. So... Follow us on Twitter, at Typhoon Buzz. Follow us on Facebook. Tune into our SoundCloud. And we are also now on iTunes, so go to iTunes.com slash Typhoon Talks, if that's your preferred method of listening, platform of listening. Um, And then tune into our website, TyphoonConsulting.com, for other POVs, research, and podcast content. Thank you. See ya.
3: Bye.